podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk. So it is great to have you with us today as always as we join together looking into the Word and just enjoying being in his presence together. We're going to have a look, as I say, at Joshua chapter 24, verse 1 through 15. And last week, if you can cast your minds back, um, and if you weren't here or haven't been able to, uh, to see that yet, you can catch up on YouTube. Very impressive, I know. Um, we had a look at Israel crossing over the River Jordan. And they crossed on dry landers. God held back the waters as they crossed. There's a song, isn't there? Hold back the... Anyway. Um, And you'll remember, as they did that, just before they all got over, Joshua said, go and gather up some stones from the very middle of the river, and we're going to place them together, stack them on top of one of each... uh, on top of each other, so that you can then remember how God has brought you across the River Jordan. He's brought you into the promised land. And they built a tower with the stones so that they could remember God's faithfulness and God's provision and God holding fast on his promises. Amen. And we also got our own jar of stones, although we do have to replace the jar. You savage people, honestly. I picked the jar up and the bottom fell out of the jar. So whoever was throwing the stones in the jar, it's not big and it's not clever, all right? <laughs> um, but but we, we'll make sure we've got a jar for that, don't you worry. Um, and that is a reminder for us too of God's faithfulness and God's provision that through these difficult times that we've journeyed, that God has been with us, he's never left us. He has been faithful, and for 18 months, although it's been exceptionally difficult, we are here again together, worshipping God. And as Joshua and the Israelites walked on from these stones, a lot was about to take place. Um, And we're going all the way to the end of Joshua. There is a lot happens in that middle section. An awful lot, in fact. And there's some major history recorded right here in these chapters and verses. God gives them the land to settle in. And as we fast forward, if you like, to Joshua chapter 24, they are now in occupied land. It's theirs. It's being given to them. God has given them this land that he promised them. And it's been divided up into each tribe's territory. Each tribe has its own territory. Much like children and a room. Just your own space where you can go and scream and shout. And I'll, I'll make sure I knock on the door before I come in. Sometimes. <laughs> Depends if it's a real mess or there's something terrible happening. And screaming and shouting is going really bad. They've all been given their own territory, except for Levi. 
except for Levi, because God himself has said he will be their portion. Although they did get, you ready for this, 48 cities in the other 11 tribes' land. These tribes is a word. It's a bit like sheeps, isn't it? You're not allowed to do sheep. Sorry, you're not allowed to say sheeps. But anyway, tribes' land. Anyway, however you say that. So let's have a read of Joshua chapter 24, verse 1 through 15. And then I'll pray and then we'll dig in and see what uh, the Lord's got to say to us. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, the leaders, judges and officials of Israel and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the river Euphrates and worshipped other gods there. But I, look, I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there and brought you out. When I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help. And he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw this with your own eyes, what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. Nobody likes the wilderness, do they? He lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you. But I gave them into your hands. Now, if anybody's read ahead, you can see that I'm already panicking. Um, I destroyed them from before you and you took possession of their land when Balak, the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, there we go, prepared to fight against Israel. He sent for Balaam, son of Bor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam, so he blessed you again and again and delivered you out of his hand. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho, Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Gergesites, Hivites and Jebusites. Fast and confident. <laughs> but I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you. Also, the two Amorite kings, you did not do it with your own sword and bow. Listen to that. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build. And you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the river Euphrates and in Egypt and serve the Lord. You see how it's capitals there, Yahweh. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. That's like one of those play on words, isn't it? All the gods of the Amorites, you know, in the land that you're living... They were good. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we just again want to thank you for your word and we pray, Lord, as we look into it now, that you would just open up our hearts and our minds, that you would just speak to us. Father, we would hear something from you. Lord, we ask that you would speak through me. Encourage us, Lord. Bless us, we pray. We ask these prayers in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So as I say, we thought last week about these stones, but as we cast, uh, put our mind in that moment, we found ourselves thinking about these tall buildings. Can you remember? These huge places in cities that tell who they are, that show who made them, that the signage on the front makes a declaration. They're signposts. Look how big and how wonderful we are. But also corporations who often own these big towers love a good slogan. They like clear signage, they have specific colours and they love a good slogan. McDonald's for example, I mean I'm sure none of you eat there. <laughs> um, but you'll know very well that they have golden arches. Back in the day when they had lights in those golden arches, not us, a, a friend of mine used to tell his little daughter that if the lights are on the golden arches, then it's closed. <laughs> That's savage, isn't it? That is savage, because they're on literally 24-7. They don't have lights anymore, have you noticed? They've changed. Nevertheless, they are still golden arches, and they have a wonderful slogan. Da, 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 da. I'm loving it. Yes, I know. I'm loving it. Apparently, I'm not sure. Anyway, and then there's uh, Tesco's. Have you heard of them? Big blue letters. They have little red dashes underneath each letter just in case you miss the next one. Yeah? Tesco's. And their slogan is? Wow, you guys are fast. <laughs> Every little helps. There we go. What about being cute? Oh, close. Somebody needs to watch more TV. <laughs> Nikes just do it, actually. <laughs> Nike, for those across the pond. <laughs> so being cute, they have big orange letters. And apparently, you can do it when you're being cute. So if you go to another place and buy from them, you potentially won't be able to. That's essentially what they're saying. You can do it if you're being cute. And then uh, what about Lloyd's Bank? Now they've had loads. You know the prancing horse though, yeah? Not Ferrari, no. Lloyd's TSB. And their slogan amongst others is for the journey. Isn't that good? Hey, for the journey. And then there was a, a funny one. This was, uh, this was a while ago. I don't think it's still their slogan. Um, but Burger King. You, you know that other one. Not McDonald's, the other one. Yeah, um, Burger King, they had a slogan that said, have it your way. At no point have I ever chosen my toppings in Burger King. Anybody else? No. So that's a complete lie. Have it your way. But they love a good slogan. Subway is one of my favourites, and I'll tell you why. And it's only my favourite one to, to make fun of because I have gluten-free bread, okay? So their slogan is, eat fresh. Now, for everybody in here, you're all thinking, that's indeed what we do if we go to Subway, unless you order gluten-free. 
and they fetch it out of the freezer and stick it in the microwave. That ain't fresh. I could do that at home, eh? But that is the truth anyway. Or indeed, if you're, uh, who was the, the famous uh, female chef who said microwave? They love their slogans, don't they? Anyway, but all of these slogans, they have something in common. Not just that they're catchy, not just that we remember them, but actually they've got a little circle at the end of them with an R in it. And that means it's owned by that corporation. So the phrase, I'm loving it, however big your business gets, however wonderful you think it is, however great you think I'm loving it would fit, if you do put that on your business, you will get sued. Isn't that incredible? How can you, how can you patent something that's just a saying? But nevertheless, that's exactly what they do. They are owned by the corporations. And to be honest, it's beyond me. But back to Joshua, and, and forgive me for that little, um, little journey we had there together. I promise it will all make sense. Back to Joshua. He's busy. I mean, this is tough. Let's just, let's just be real here. Chapter 23 and 24 of Joshua are Joshua saying, it's my time to go home. Yeah? The Lord has said, it's time, Joshua. Joshua knows his time has come to an end here on earth. He has been God's man for a long period of time. It was a, a task and a role that he never dreamt would ever, he would ever fit. And God had to say to him right at the beginning, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Joshua definitely knew Moses was dead. He'd been there for his burial, but he needed to know, Joshua, you're the man. And now, all these years later, God's saying, it's time, Joshua, it's time, it's time for you to come home. And Joshua is pouring his heart out to these people who he loves, his people. God has put these people on his heart. God has put this mission on his heart. And church, don't ever think it's easy to hand the reins over. If you think it's easy to hand the reins over, you've never had the reins before. Because it's tough. And Joshua knows all too well how difficult these moments are going to be. But indeed, what he does, instead of saying, I've done this and I've done that, he says, God has done. And that's spiritual maturity there. That's something that you can read over and miss. But there's spiritual maturity in these, 20, uh, these two uh, chapters that we see in 23 and 24. And what Joshua does in these moments is he reminds Israel what God has done for them. From Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, who bore the name, as we know, Israel. Then to Moses and Aaron. And now as they've crossed into the Jordan and claimed the lands and the cities and the vineyards and the olive groves that were not their own, that they did not build or plant. Joshua is reminding them what God has done for them. God has provided for them and they've settled in the promised land. Why? Because they were great? No. Because they did everything right? Absolutely not. But because God promised that he would give them the, as we know its title, the promised land. 
God said, that is a land flowing with milk and honey, and that is for you, and I'm going to give that land to you. And they said, well, there's Amorites and Perizzites and Hittites and Jebusites. And he's like, don't worry. That land is yours. I'm going to give it to you. They are just custodians for the time. They're going to make cities. They're going to plant vineyards. They're going to plant olive groves. And you're going to reap the harvest from those places because this land is for you. God is faithful, he delivers on his promises, and he's abounding in love. Joshua reminds them so that they can make an informed decision. It's important to make informed decisions, isn't it? And to make an informed decision, you have to have all the information. Because if you don't have all the information, well, we can make mistakes. We cannot grasp or understand we can maybe make a bad decision. But Joshua's saying, look, here is all the information of what God has done for you. And that's why I said about that little line there, that we're in the land of the small G, look, gods of the Amorites, whose land you are living. It's as if to say, look, don't, don't, just, don't just listen, but actually hear. Don't just let it go in one side and out the other. You're in the land that God has promised to you, and all those other small g gods they're nowhere they're nowhere to be seen why well because they're not real yet god as we see lord l-o-r-d yahweh he has provided and he has given the land that he promised he would and then joshua says this to them in verse 15 but if serving the lord seems undesirable to you then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, which is, as we know, as we read the beginning of 24, where Abraham came from, or Abram at the time, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. He says, look, God has done all of this. God has supplied every single need. God has provided, he's protected at every single turn, even in the wilderness, when literally bread fell from heaven, God provided at every single turn. And essentially what Joshua is saying, so who will you serve when I'm gone? Who will you serve when the Lord has called me home? Who are you going to serve when somebody else is in charge? He asks them, will you remember? Will you remember the stones from the Jordan? Will you still take your children back there? Will your children take their children back there? Will they remember? Will you make sure they remember what God has done for us? How God has given all of what we have. Then he leaves them with what can only be the greatest slogan between a man and God and the people that he loves that has ever been recorded. And it, I don't, if you look closely, you'll see there's a, oh no, there's no R. There's no R on this one. It's not copyright. It's not something that you can't use. We're grateful for that. 
on your way out of these doors, you'll see that but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord, Joshua 24 and verse 15. And that's there for a reason, because it reminds us this is who we serve. This is where we stand. This is who this church is about. This is why we are here. Joshua says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And after this incredible speech that Joshua has given as he's gathered everybody together and he, he comes to this crescendo where he tells them this moment, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You can hear the cheer, can't you? You can hear the excitement, the enthusiasm that comes from understanding what God has done for us and we are his and as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you can hear the people say, this is who we will serve. Oh, they fail a few times, don't worry. And this shows us, doesn't it, that we are forgetful, that we make mistakes. So we have to have reminders. We have to have moments where we can sit and we can reflect and we can give thanks. We have to have the jar of stones. We have to have that imagery of an empty cross because we know that Christ has won. We know that love has won. That's why we need it. You'll notice we don't have Jesus on the cross. He's not there anymore. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and me, saying, Matt's with me. Lynn's with me. Joel's with me. It's incredible, isn't it? That, that's the joy of our salvation. That's the joy of who we are in him. We are saved, redeemed, set free. And here, Joshua is saying, this is what God has done. Choose who you will serve. And the people make that declaration. I mean, far be it from us as they carry on in verse 16. Far be it from us to forsake God. He has done incredible things. How could we look anywhere else? And for us today... The 11th of July, 2021, we have that same promise and assurance. God has provided for us at every turn. In fact, he's provided for us freedom from our sin. He's provided for us salvation through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we get to enjoy a harvest that we did not plant. We get to enjoy a fruit that we did not reap. We get to enjoy the very fact that we have been given salvation through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Joshua says this, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This has been a podcast by Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk.